if you guys are able to pay your local your local match, we'll be able to pay 100% for the rest of the state. They did not hesitate and they all were like, absolutely, we'll do that. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another edition of News and Views. On today's episode, our newsmaker guest is David Harris, director of the Transit and Rail Division of the New Mexico Department of Transportation. Great interview from someone I met at the CTAA Sun Conference. But first, we're going to take a look at some headline news, a couple of big news stories when it comes to zero emission buses, electric buses. Down in Texas, the Capital Metro Board of Directors in Austin, Texas, announced it has approved the purchase of 197 new electric buses. According to Cap Metro, this is the nation's largest electric vehicle procurement to date. It will expand its zero emission fleet to over 200 electric buses. Our friend and former guest here on Transit Unplugged, Randy Clark, who is the Cap Metro president and CEO, said today's announcement is a major milestone for Cap Metro as we strive to provide safe, clean, and equitable transportation for our community for generations to come. The purchase will also help Cap Metro's goal to transition its entire fleet of more than 400 transit vehicles to zero emission buses. The new buses are being manufactured by Proterra and New Flyer and will replace regular buses. They will also expand the fleet for the new Expo Center and Pleasant Valley Metro Rapid Lines. There's an expected annual savings of approximately 230,000 pounds of greenhouse gases when compared with diesel, thanks to the zero emission features of the buses. Additional benefits will include reduced air pollution, noise levels, heat, and fuel costs. The new electric vehicles come with USB charging ports, plug-in and overhead charging, open seating floor plan, and passenger digital display. The first shipment of the new electric vehicles is scheduled to arrive by the end of 2022. And we head back to the eastern coast of the United States to tell you that the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority, or Metro WMATA, has announced that it will build its first all-electric bus garage with infrastructure and equipment needed to run 100% electric vehicles. That'll be at the Northern Bus Garage in Northwest Washington, D.C. Construction of the operations and maintenance facility is expected to take four years once all approvals are received and will open with a mix of the current Metro bus fleet and new battery electric vehicles transitioning to 100% electric as Metro Bus's electric bus fleet expands. My good friend and Metro General Manager Paul Riedefeld, former guest on this program, said this is an important step forward in Metro's commitment to help our region to reduce its environmental footprint, improve public health, and modernize our facilities. He said, we appreciate the board's leadership in contributing to the clean air target shared by Maryland, Virginia, and the District of Columbia. That's because WMATA serves all three jurisdictions. In June of this year, 2021, Metro's board of directors adopted a goal of a 100% zero emission bus fleet by 2045 with a full transition to battery electric or other zero emission bus purchases by 2030. A zero emission bus fleet will improve regional air quality, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and provide customers with a quieter, more comfortable ride. This phased conversion of the 1500 vehicle Metro bus fleet will allow Metro to purchase vehicles as zero emission technologies continue to improve to ensure consistent service reliability. It will also enable Metro and its regional partners to make needed investments in facilities, electric utility infrastructure, and workforce training to support the fleet transition. Metro's new director of zero emission vehicles, Amy 
Mesrobian is leading Metro's electric bus test and evaluation program, which includes the procurement of approximately 12 electric buses. The test and evaluation program will provide data and experience with electric bus performance in typical Metro bus operating conditions. The results of the test and evaluation will inform future acquisition of electric buses, as well as the facility improvements and charging equipment needed to operate the electric buses. And now a look at some headline news when it comes to CEOs. You know, we like to bring you CEO news here on this show, which is focused on executives of transit agencies. The Toledo Area Regional Transit Authority, or TARDA, is going to have a change. That's because TARDA CEO Kimberly Dunham has resigned. And the board, uh, she's taking a position at an unnamed transportation agency in a different city. I'm sure that'll come out soon what that is. But the TARDA board named Laura Koprowski, the agency's deputy CEO, as Dunham's successor. Congratulations to both women. And then OC Transpo in the city of Ottawa has hired Renee Amilcar as its new general manager. She was the executive director of operations at Montreal's STM, but she's going to be the new general manager of OC Transpo. She replaces John Manconi, who is retiring after serving nine years as general manager. Congratulations to Renee Amilcar as the new general manager of OC Transpo in the city of Ottawa, Canada. That's it for a look at our headline news here on Transit Unplugged. And now a great interview with David Harris, Director of Transit and Rail Division at the New Mexico Department of Transportation. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the podcast in our future public transportation segment, where we bring you the details of how we're going to be celebrating Transit Unplugged's fourth anniversary this year at APTA Expo. You'll be very excited to hear all the things we're doing, I think. Let me know what you think. Thanks for being with us today on another edition of Transit Unplugged. And today, our newsmaker interview is with David Harris, who is the Transit and Rail Division Director for the State of New Mexico Department of Transportation. Thank you so much, David, for being our guest today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Paul. Great to be here. David and I uh, caught up again recently at the CTAA Sun Conference, Small Urban Network Conference, which was held in um, Missoula, Montana, a little bit ago. And uh, I thought David would be an excellent guest to be on the show. He's so interesting and has so many fun things to say about public transit. And so again, I think you'll really enjoy. And and David, I think uh, one of the things that I enjoyed about talking to you was how different the state of New Mexico's Department of Transportation is and your division than a lot of them. A lot of them are are really just, um, you know, mostly roads like we talked about and not a lot of transit and they don't run anything directly. But tell us a little bit about your department and kind of the unique thing and how you how you're situated there in New Mexico. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. That's a good point. Um, you know, budget-wise, we're probably the same as a lot of Department of Transportations where, you know, 97, 95% of the budget is for roads and highways and 3 to 5% of the budget goes towards transit. Um, and, and that's no different in New Mexico. Uh, you compare us to Texas, it's this probably the same there in Texas, but, you know, it's just they're a much bigger Department of Transportation, so their budget is bigger. But that, that's how we're similar uh, to a lot of DOTs, but um, you know the thing you p- you pointed out is we run and own a few systems. We we own a hundred mile commuter rail that starts in Belen, uh, New Mexico, which is about 30, 35 miles south of Albuquerque. It runs up through Albuquerque and up to Santa Fe uh, for a hundred miles, and uh, in that corridor, which is sort of the spine 
of transportation uh, in the state, uh, connecting, for the most part, some of the most uh, populous places in, in New Mexico. And the other thing I should point out is New Mexico is, a, is very large. It's the fifth largest state by land area in uh, the country. And it only has about 2 million people. But for um, only having 2 million people and being in a very large place, it has a very robust uh, transit system. Like I said, we own um, New Mexico Rail Runner Express, which is a 100-mile commuter rail. Uh, that's operated um, via a contract and with a memorandum of agreement with Rio Metro Regional Transit District, which is a regional transit district in the Albuquerque area. So they handle the day-to-day -day and we own it and help oversee the uh, capital, um, you know, oversight of the capital and its uh, useful life. We also run an inner city bus service called New Mexico DOT Park and Ride, which connects uh, Doniana County, which is where Las Cruces is, Las Cruces, New Mexico, which I think is now the uh, uh, second or third largest uh, city in New Mexico with, with El Paso. And El Paso is a very large city, and especially if you include um, how it's connected with Juarez, uh, Mexico. So it's a very, it's connecting a very large metropolitan area with a small urban uh, area. And we run um, uh, inner city bus service between there. And then we also run set about seven other routes that radiate out of Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is the capital of New Mexico, uh, to uh, Los Alamos, uh, Las Vegas, New Mexico, Española, New Mexico, uh, and then around uh, in closer areas in as well. Uh, so we own and operate some systems, and then we do what a lot of other DOTs do. We oversee federal funds that come in and help oversee and run, not run, but help oversee and um, uh, provide guidance and technical assistance and compliance with uh, a lot of the rural systems in New Mexico. And that's what brought me to visit with you in Missoula at the CTA Sun Conference, because we have a close relationship with a lot of our small urban providers as well as our rural providers. So we always like to keep tabs on what's going on there. And how is transit funded other, other than the federal funds? Tell us about the regional transit districts. Uh, th there's no uh, recurring funds uh, that come from our legislature for uh, transit in New Mexico, um, except once in a while there could be some capital funds that get legislated. But otherwise, there's some enabling legislation that went into effect around 2005, 2004, uh, called the Regional Transit District Act. And this is where um, any two or more lo localities, whether it be a county or a town, can get together and form a regional transit district. And then they can go out for a tax referendum um, up to a half a percent uh, for, which is essentially a, gro a gross receipts tax or sales tax, raise money uh, to help uh, run transit systems throughout the, the state. We have, uh, currently we have th uh, three, four throughout the state. There are gross receipts tax referendums that passed in two of them, one in the Albuquerque area, one in the Santa Fe area. And then um, there's also one in um, the Grant County area, which is in the uh, southwest portion of the state that never has gone out. They have a, a group of people who are, are a group of the localities that are together, um, but they never went out for uh, the one in Albuquerque and the one in Santa Fe passed by easy majority. Those are some ways. Other, otherwise, it's the localities that are always coming up with the the either 
you know, the money to run their systems or to match the federal money that comes in. You know, they do it through their own local gross receipts tax or uh, lodgers tax uh, for hotels. But most of it for the match has to come from the locality themselves. Okay. And then how has the um, how has the new funding coming out of Washington uh, the, the money that's already there. Uh, in other words, you know, we're not talking about the money that's uh, that they're debating now, but the coronavirus relief, you know, the CARES Act from March 2020, and then the CRISA Act, and then the American Rescue Plan. How has that money trickled down to New Mexico, and what is it being used for there? Well, at New Mexico DOT, since we we have a really direct relationship with the you know, 21 rural uh, transit agencies throughout the state. We wanted to make the, the time during the pandemic and the time e- easing out of it. And, you know, we thought we were out, but we're pulled back in. Just when we thought we were out. <laughs> Just when we thought we were out. Um, we're pulled back in. And, uh, you know, so now we're, all, we're almost like in limbo right now. But we wanted to make the, the transition to whatever it is as easy as possible. And we didn't want them. We didn't want our transit agencies to... Um, you know, suffer or pull back when we were going to come out of the come out of this situation. So what we did um, at New Mexico DOT, at least for the 21 uh, rural transit agencies throughout the state, is you know starting in March of March of 2020, we fund them at 100% for all their administrative needs and operating needs. Uh, we didn't do it for capital, but what we've basically done is we've got and through what year, FY22, so it's, we started FY20 a little bit. Um, we run on a federal fiscal year, so for okay. six, seven months of FY20, FY21, and FY22, we plan on paying all the administration and administration and operating expenses at 100% with those federal funds for those 21 transit agencies. And the only reason we were able to do it, and I, and I bring this up because this is a great, you know, great example of local cooperation and understanding is um, we have uh, three larger rural transit agencies who either have gross receipts taxes from that regional transit district act, or, you know, they just have a, a bigger tax base. And I went to them, there are large, there are big three. If, if you guys are able to pay your local, your local match, we'll be able to pay 100% for the rest of the state. So for the 18 others throughout the state, we'll be able to pay them um, 100%. And they, they did not hesitate. And they all were like, absolutely, we'll do that. And part of it, part of it was because from what I hear and understand, I never looked at the numbers, but what I'm told is the gross receipts taxes throughout the state are not down, even through the pandemic. Um, construction's up, internet sales are up. Fortunately, about four or five years ago, New Mexico uh, implemented uh, internet sales tax, you know, since we were all at home. and everybody- Oh, yeah, so that boomed during the... Uh, yeah. I mean, good, you know, lucky timing, but um, so the, the, gro- the taxes are were stable. So those big three were able to get it together to not hesitate and say, yeah, without a doubt, you know, uh, you know, be team players and and help out. And we're just really grateful at New Mexico DOT to have partners like them, like Los Alamos uh, County, North Central Regional Transit District and Rio Metro uh, Regional Transit District that unflinchingly uh, were generous 
That's great, David. And what a great innovative way to use those funds to help your rural agencies. And what a great look at how you're moving forward in New Mexico, the little uh, the, the differences and the similarities. We wish you the very best as you continue to provide uh, mobility services to all your all your residents uh, coming out of hopefully now uh, this pandemic on the other side. Thank you so much for being with us today, David. Yeah, thank you for having me, Paul. Pleasure. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. In this interview with Paul, Dave Harris talks about some of the challenges of turning public sentiment into funding sources for transit. That got me thinking about best practices for public will building by keeping transit in the public eye in a positive way. Let's break down the communications approach into two general channels, your owned media, like your website and your social media posts, and your earned media, the stories about you in the public press. The most important public will building strategy for your owned channels is consistency. Keep providing consistent messaging regularly updated. This means you continually refresh the content of your website, including posting new images and relevant things to read, and you set up a consistent posting schedule on social media. Those owned channels will be seen by people who are already interested in your organization. Earned media, on the other hand, can expand your audience beyond loyal followers to the general public. I recommend even the smallest transit organizations start the year with a plan to share at least three positive stories with the media at different times throughout the year to influence how people in your region perceive your agency. If you'd like to talk more about public will building or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. Thanks for sticking with us on the world's top transit executive podcast, where we take a look behind the headlines of what's happening in public transportation industry, both in North America and around the world. Thanks for being with us today, David Harris, Director of Transit and Rail Division at the New Mexico Department of Transportation, as our newsmaker interview. We want to take a look at the future of public transportation as it relates to this podcast and what's happening. We are coming up uh, this next month of November on the fourth anniversary of the Transit Unplugged podcast. That's right. We will be completing four years of the show and entering our fifth year. And we're going to make a bunch of changes for the fifth year to bring new improvements to the program. We're going to bring new graphics. Uh, it looks great. I've been meeting with our graphics team uh, and it looks great. We're going to be updating our website to almost like a Netflix style website, just going to be amazed by it. It looks really cool. Great new service. And um, we're also making some other changes by adding uh, a new brand extension, right? So we've done, you know, the Transit Unplugged podcast for four years. We've written books that included our guests, like my first book, Full Throttle, and books like The Future of Public Transportation, the number one bestseller from last year on Amazon for books on transportation. We've had live CEO roundtables around the world and online. I've spoken at over 100 conferences uh, online since the COVID uh, pandemic started. And now we're going to expand the podcast even further by going video. I wanted to do this before uh, the pandemic hit, but then we had to stop traveling. But now that we're starting to travel a little bit more, we're starting to film. I recently filmed in Nashville. And the week that this airs for the first time, I'll be in Las Vegas interviewing MJ Maynard at the RTC, the CEO there and some of her team and getting background video. Picture an Anthony Bourdain style travel show, but instead of chefs and food, 
We might include a few of them too, but instead of them as the primary focus, the primary focus will be public transportation agencies in various cities and kind of behind the scenes. We'll pull the curtain back and show you how it operates and what its leaders are doing and show you great pictures and videos of of, uh, all that's going on behind the scenes. It's very exciting. I can't wait to do this. And then we're also going to be filming uh, a third episode. We're going to try to do it once a month to start with the video part. The, The audio podcast will continue to come to you as it has been every Wednesday. And we'll be showing you the graphics as they come up for the fifth season. But we're also uh, going to be filming a third episode of our video, uh, Transit Unplugged TV, at APTA's Expo. A lot of people are very excited to finally get back together. And APTA's very careful to make sure that everything will be done as safely as possible. But at the Trapeze and Vontis booth, as most of you know, Trapeze and Vontis sponsor this podcast and pay for me to do all the travel and all the interviews we do. Uh, they've been very gracious and a great company to work with. In, in the last four years, um, you know, most of you probably know my background, but, you know, I was a power user of trapeze at various transit agencies, never thought I'd work in the in this industry. And now it's given me the opportunity to, to influence and impact people around the world. Very exciting. So at their booth, at the Trapeze and Vontis booth on the expo floor, let me tell you what we're going to be doing. It's going to be very exciting. It is the celebration of our fourth anniversary. And uh, so the first thing we're going to do on Monday, November 8th, is we're going to have, I'm going to do interviews with the general managers of both companies. Teresa Domingo is the general manager of Trapeze Group, and I'll be interviewing her and talking about her background and career uh, and what she's doing now and where the company is going in the future. That'll be at 11 a.m. on Monday, November 8th at the Trapeze booth. And then after her at 12 noon, we'll be interviewing Peter Axel, the new general manager of Vontis. Uh, and um, I just spent a week at Vontis out in Cedar Rapids, Iowa at their factory and got to meet a lot of the employees. I'm excited in my role as Senior Vice President and Chief Customer Officer with both companies. Peter's a great guy. I think you'll really enjoy meeting him from 12 to 1230 on Monday at the Trapeze booth. Then on Tuesday, we're going to celebrate Transit Unplugged with a live CEO roundtable with Women in Transit. I've got some amazing women CEOs uh, of transit agencies here in the U.S. who have agreed to Come on, our live panel. We just did, as you know, last week, a, a, a CEO roundtable with women leaders in Australia. They called me and asked me if they could do it. And I was like, yeah, and I think it may end up being our most listened to podcast ever. Um, but I, it just made me think, you know, I should do that here in the U.S. as well. It, it was so inspiring. So we're going to do it on Tuesday, November 9th at the Trapeze Vontis booth. Right now, it's scheduled for 1130 a.m. to 1230 p.m. on that day. I'll let you know if there's any changes. It may go forward or backward a half an hour. But right now, it's Tuesday, November 9th at 1130, 1230. And we'll soon be announcing on my LinkedIn page and Trapeze and Vontis will be announcing these great CEOs uh, and leaders of our industry who are going to be. I've got five women right now who are planning to be on stage for an hour talking about what's happening, what it's like to be a CEO, their day-to-day lives and responsibilities, where their agencies are going and where they think the future of public transportation is going. And then later that afternoon, on that same day, Tuesday, November 9th, at the Trapeze and Vontis booth, we're going to be doing Cocktails with Comfort. It's our Transit Unplugged fourth anniversary celebration. That wasn't my idea for the name, by the way, but I I like it. It's got a ring to it, right? Alliteration and all. So that'll be at 3 to 4.30 p.m. at our booth. We're going to be celebrating with you. We're, We're inviting all of our previous guests from the program to be there. There'll be many CEOs mingling uh, from the transit agency world. Uh, We're going to have cocktails and giveaways, and we'll be unveiling 
our new graphics and, and maybe even show you a clip of the new video show and um, of Transit Unplugged TV while we're there. It's going to be a great way to celebrate our fourth anniversary of Transit Unplugged with all of you, our listeners. Make sure that you write those days and times on your calendar. Basically, be sure you hang out some on Monday in the middle of the day, 11 to 1230 on Tuesday, uh, 1130 to 1230 for the Women in Transit CEO panel. And then later in the afternoon from three to 430, uh, our Transit Unplugged fourth anniversary celebration with all of you, our listeners. It'll be a great time for one and all. Thanks for always sticking with us on the world's leading transit agency podcast. Um, we are excited that uh, last thing I want to let you know is we were a finalist in the podcast awards, uh, People's Choice Awards. Uh, and we're happy, very thrilled to be in the top 10. We didn't win inside the FBI one. So congratulations to those folks over at Inside the FBI. But you know what? As they say, it's an honor to be nominated. And it really was to be nominated as one of the top 10 um, agency transportation, agency podcasts, government agencies, those kinds of things, uh, businesses to be considered one of the top 10 in the country for all categories was very exciting. And uh, even though we didn't win, like we said, it was an honor to be nominated. Thanks for being with us. Hey, if you ever would like to be on the podcast, your agency, or you want to be part of a new book I'm writing on equity and inclusion in public transportation, just drop me a line at paul.comfort at trapezegroup.com. Take care and stay safe out there. <laughs>